Cool. Well, good morning. If this is your first time here, I just really, really want to welcome you. My name's Jeeves. I have the privilege of overseeing the youth work for the church. Um, and it's just been a really exciting time for us as a church. Uh, and just to reference the funeral again, um, it was obviously a, a time of, of sadness and weeping, but a time of great celebration, where as a church we gathered together to celebrate this wonderful woman's Ruth's life. And it was wonderful just to be together as a family. And we're on this really kind of journey together as we're learning more and more. And I feel that our journey through Luke is an is a kind of embodiment of that. Now, as we're journeying through Luke and we're growing together as a family and understanding things together, we as a church are growing together as a family. And so if you're a visitor here, you're on, uh, on a great Sunday. Uh, that's not because I'm preaching. That's, uh, that's probably the downside of it. But it's, it's more from the element that you're on with us today on this exciting journey. Um, the other reason why it's exciting for me uh, is because currently in the world is the Rugby World Cup, which if you know me pretty well, I'm a massive rugby fan. I'm very grateful that England have already got through, uh, through the knockouts. If you're not a rugby fan, what I'm about to say is absolutely foreign to you. But for me, it's greatly exciting. Um, and I remember when I went to watch England play in France, uh, it was my first time watching England play. And I remember walking up the stands and seeing the amazing field and the, the amazing pitch at Stade de France. And I, and I walked up and I walked up in my English shirt and I turned around and in front of me was a sea of blue French supporters. And I looked at my shirt and I looked behind and I was just like, I stick out like a sore thumb. One, because I'm Indian, but two, I'm English right now. It's, it was a very awkward moment. And, and at that moment, you kind of think, well, what do I do? Like, um, I don't know, if you don't know me that well, I'm loud. Like, that's, that's the first people to say, they go, geez, he's loud. And so what do I do in that moment where I'm covered around by a sea of French supporters and I'm the only English person there? Um, well, I was genuinely a little bit shy. I was a little bit nervous. Surprise, surprise. I was just like, what am I going to do? Um, but I went for it, as you can imagine. We lost, but I went for it. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I went for it. And, and for me, that picture is an embodiment of what it can be like with faith. That picture of I'm the only person here. Like, who, who else is here with me? I'm the only person here, and everyone else doesn't really believe in Jesus or isn't bothered about faith, and I'm the only person here. What do you do? What do you do in that moment? And what we've been looking at in Luke, in Luke 8, and Adam spoke about it two weeks ago, about the power of the sower and sowing the seeds of faith. And today we're looking at another side of that, that Jesus preached a parable to tie into that, where when you're in that moment of knowing what to do, what do you do? How do you feel encouraged? How do you feel embodied and emboldened to actually do that? So that's what we're looking at today, and I hope that by digest, digesting this a little bit, we can just be encouraged. It might not be a new theological discovery, it just might be an encouragement of how when we're in that moment, wonderful family, that we are able to be bold for Jesus. That's my heart. So we're going we're gonna to just read this, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to start my timer, because I always wait until I finish my intro before I start it. Ha ha, Adam. Right. <laughs> Let, let's start. Uh, don't worry. Hey, the tsunami might come over. and <laughs> We don't know. All right, let's, let's read this through. Luke 8, 16, 21. I'm reading from the ESV, but if you're reading from another version, that's fine. 
No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that you will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brother came to him, this is Jesus, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would take over. I pray that the words that I share would be absolutely of you and nothing to do with me. But Holy Spirit, you would speak into these words and bring encouragement to us as a church of how to be bold for you. Amen. Amen. Okay. Jesus starts this incredible uh, parable with a really common analogy, really common thing. Ruben, if you turn the lights down at the back, I've got my, myself a little torch, which is kind of a little bit bright, as you can see. There you go. It's a little bit brighter. I was going to turn down the house lights, and I thought, actually, I'll get told off for that because it would be too dark. But in a sense, we're all, we're all used to... Oh, thank you so much. We're all used to having a torch normally, right? When you go outside into the woods, I don't know why you would do that, but if you do, that's what you could do. Or, or even, like, I don't know about you, but on my keys, my beautiful wife bought me this Superman uh, light that when I go outside, my light's outside my house, house are just so dark, there's, there's nothing. So when I go outside on my keys, I then have this little torch to help me see through. And it's something that we obviously are so common with, even in that time, even in th- this time, the lamp on the stand was something that they would use to actually see into the room. They obviously didn't have electricity at that time. So what they would have is they would have a light, they would have oil that would feed the light or a candle of sorts, and they would light it to then illuminate the entire room so everyone could see into it. And there's two purposes of the torch, this, this physical common demonstration that Jesus is trying to get across. One of them is it obviously brings clear vision into the darkness. We know that, we get that. And the other is to reflect the light from the source. So as you can imagine from the torch, the reason why it's got to cut this mirror thing is so when it reflects in that, it then beams light further and further out. So it's shining light into the tar- darkness, but also the whole purpose of a light or a torch is to then reflect from the source to actually beam out. And Jesus is using this analogy um, for various reasons. But he used it straight after the parable of the sower in a way of an application to say. The parable of the sower, as, if you haven't heard it, please listen to what Adam preached on. It's fantastic. But it helps set up this scene where you're, we're, we're called to be so planting the seeds. And what he's saying by being the lamp is go do it. You, you're meant to go sow the seeds, and he explains the parable, which is one of the only times he does that. And so hitting in with saying, you are the lamp. No one lights a lamp and covers it with a jar. It's to make it very clear, saying, now you've heard what you've got to do, be it. Go do it. It's an activation. It's, a, it's, an, it's an encouragement to actually apply it. And um, I go to uh, New Day, which is an amazing Christian festival uh, for youth. But Ashburnham, I think for some of us, remember when you were coming back from the main tent 
And you, you're coming back from the main tent and you're just like, okay, I don't know what is going on here. Like, I'll be honest, at New Day, the times where, um, oh, I wasn't going to share the story. I will. It's quite funny. Uh, there was one time at New Day when I was walking um, towards the toilet because I just, I needed to go in the middle of the night and I forgot my torch. And so I walked and I genuinely think I tripped over 10 guy ropes and I flat out fell on one of the youth. Like, I just, just tripped over a guy and fell onto a tent and I was on a youth and uh, it, it wasn't good. But when you then have a torch and you shine and it transforms the landscape, it helps you see that clear vision. And this is Jesus helping, encouraging us to be the light of the world. He says that in Matthew 5. And my purpose of really using the torch and kind of hammering this analogy is to help us remind ourselves that you are the light of the world. You are called to be transformers in the darkness. You are called to change the landscape wherever you're called to go to. Wherever you are, whether it's here, whether it's in Sevenix, whether you go to work, you are called to be transformers of light. You are called to be people who are beacons of light, not to shy away, not to be put under a job, but to be bold and bright and beautiful for Jesus. That's what you're called to do. For nothing is hidden that would not be manifested, nor is anything secret that would be made known to come to light. Know that you are not called to be hidden. Uh, that, that's, that blows my mind. That my calling is not to be hidden. But my calling is to shine as a light for Jesus. That's such a challenge. But such encouragement. That I'm called to be a beaming light for Jesus. Now why do I say it's a challenge? Well the reason why I say it's a challenge is because it uses the word nothing is hidden hidden. Now, often for me, when I, when I think of hidden, I'm thinking about the stuff that is deep down, stuff that I hide away from everyone else, stuff that I put on the mask so that no one can see behind. And, I, and when I read this, I go, okay, nothing is hidden that will not be manifested. Great, Jesus, I know that, but anything secret that will not be known will come to light. But wait a second, Jesus. Hold up, let's, let's pause on this one right now. You're talking about like, my deeper desires, my deepest secrets, my deepest fears, my deepest failures, my jealousies, my selfishness. You're saying that that's going to come to light. You're saying that's going to be exposed. Jesus, thou, this is too much. <laughs> I get the point. You're calling me be that beacon of light, not hiding by a jar. Yeah, like I'm, I'm great with that. But this bit, <laughs> when it talks about Nothing that is hidden, everything that was hidden will be made manifested, and anything that is deep secret will come to light. Now I'm struggling with this. Now I'm concerned about this. However, as I was just kind of looking through it, doesn't this kind of convicting and challenging statement make sense? If a light is shining completely in the darkness, it shows all path with clear vision. If there's anything that I had a little mark or a nick or a little anything dirt that was on this light and I was to shine it, you would see the shadow forecast. You see it shine through. If I was saying I've got clear shining light, all the things that I'll count as skeletons in my closet is there. It, it is so convicting, but it makes sense. It makes sense. 
I remember at school one time when I was growing up, and I grew up in a Christian household, and I remember trying to tell my friends about Jesus and being like, oh, I go to this youth group, it's all right, it's a lot of fun, but Jesus, he's just changed my life. And then I remember one of my mates going to me and being like, you swear a lot. You always swear. Your words that come out of your mouth are filth. How can you be a Christian? And for me, it was as if he took a knife and he stabbed it right into my gut. That kind of oof feeling of going, man, you're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's that, that feeling of going, I want to preach about Jesus, but the things that I think are hidden, or even maybe not that hidden, then come to light. They're then seen. People see all of those things. But it's important, actually, that I don't remain in this place because Jesus doesn't remain in this place. He doesn't stop there with that passage. He doesn't go, be convicted and move on. No, he says, be challenged, but hear. Take care, then, how you hear. Things that are hidden might be hidden and it might come out, but take care on how you hear. It's so important that what we feed into our lives are things that come from God. Because the things that we feed on is then what comes out. Remember the power of the soul. I'm going to reference it again. The things that you're grounded and rooted in, that's where the fruit comes out. It's the good soul that produces the good fruit, remember? Same here. Know as well that we are workmanships of God. That's what Ephesians 2 says. Workmanship is a beautiful thing because it means I'm still being worked on. Workmanship's a wonderful thing because I'm being made and I'm still in the making. It's a done process, but it's still in progress. It's a wonderful thing. And so whilst we're being made and whilst we've been working on, the things that we find are secrets and are hidden, guess what? It's okay to struggle with them. Wonderful church. We need to be very honest and vulnerable with one another. That is okay to struggle with things. Let us not be a church that wears masks and let us not be a church that just kind of hide away the things that are, are, are struggling with us. And so when we come to church, it's kind of happy, clappy Christian, rather than going, no, I, I clap and I rejoice and I'm happy for Jesus, but yes, I have struggles in my life. Yes, I have difficulties in my life. But as I've got them, I'm taking care of what I hear. Here's the thing, right? If we just say, I struggle with it, and we remain in that place, then we're remaining in a place of brokenness. Now, we're not victim spirit people. No, Romans 8 says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, i.e., I didn't fight, but I made more than a conqueror. Which basically means that even though I might be broken, I'm trying to make sure that I'm looking to Jesus. And as I'm looking to Jesus, the things that I might be struggling with are being dealt with. That's the wonderful thing. That's what taking care of what it is. This is not saying you need to work for it. Does that make sense? It's not saying you need to work for it. This is not a workspace thing. What this is is saying, actually recognize that things that are hidden might come out. Take care of what you hear because you need to focus on Jesus. And he finishes saying, for to the one who has, more will be given. I.e., as you feed in things, as you hear things, as you listen to things, as you come to Christ and you come to his altar and just be in his presence, the things that might be secret and hidden will be dealt with. They'll be dealt with. But it's also a warning saying, if you don't do that, 
the things that you thought you have will be taken away. Beloved family, we need to recognize that our wonderful Jesus can deal with those things. But we need to recognize that there might be things that he needs to deal with. So when we tell friends about Jesus and we shine as a lamp, we're not shining a fake mirage of ourselves. We're shining who we are, the working progress in Jesus, but the finished childmanship and the work in Jesus. Man, there's stuff that I struggle with in my life still. Like, I'll be vulnerable. I struggle with my life still. I put myself down a lot of the time. Self-deprecation is huge in my life. I always put myself down in my mind and that kind of thing. I'm not shying away from that. I'm working with that. But as I'm working with that, I'm still learning to say, I am a child of God. I'm a redeemed child of God. So when I tell and talk to people about Jesus, I'm saying, he's changed my life because I'm being more and more adopted in him. I've been adopted by Christ. I'm a child of God, but I'm learning to be free in my mind day by day. That's the story. That's the beacon of light. That's the torch in the darkness. That I can then tell people saying, come to Jesus because he can shine a light in your darkness. And yes, it might be a bit of a progress. Yes, it might be a bit of a marathon. It's not a sprint, but there's still a work in progress for you to be free. Let's not hide away from it. Let's not hide away from it. We've been purposely placed to be light in places where we are. The bold beacons of flame, not to dimmer in some unbotheredness and fear. We shouldn't be dimmering. I think uh, um, because of the, the work I do with the youth, I, there's sometimes you recognize there's an entitlement and an unbotheredness that starts to rise in the next generation. And, and for me, I need to make sure that as I have a, a major, wonderful responsibility to the next generation, I don't become unbothered. I practice what I preach. If I'm telling them, you've got to preach the gospel, I do it the same. If I'm telling them, you've got to find Jesus, and you've got to find your, your faith in him, and I try and stand and, and, and encourage them to be a lamp that is not covered by a jar, guess what? I've got to do the same. Paul writes in Romans 2 to encourage the Roman church. He says, um, but I'll jump in a bit. But if you are sure that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those in your darkness, i.e., if you're helping everyone else, and he uses that analogy, a light to those in the darkness, and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? If we're saying we need to be a bold beacon of faith, are we? Ezekiel 8, the prophet in the Old Testament, as he was kind of worshipping in the temple, Jesus gives him a vision of looking at the holy place, i.e. The, the back room of the temple, kind of where the holy of holies is. And what are they doing? They're worshipping idols. In the sense of a temple, which was a holy place, the leaders of the temple is worshipping a dead idol. What I'm trying to say here is what we are saying to others about Jesus, are we actually doing that ourselves? That when I say that we're made to be bold beacons of faith, not to dim it into unbotheredness and fear, and we're telling that to others, are we actually doing that? And if you don't know what that calling is, if you don't know what that place is, if you don't know how you've been transformed to become beacons of light, let me just say, share three things that this wonderful thing of becoming a beacon of light has done. One, it has become, it's made to be filled with love. 
filled with the love of God, a love that surpasses everything, reflecting the majestic love and grace from God. Because he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross, even when we were orphans, as Rachel said earlier. You have been filled with love to reflect love and grace to those around you. You have been filled with strength by God's great strength and his spirit. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's his strength that's down within you to reflect into this world. You are filled with his strength because of the spirit of God being in you. That makes us bold. Makes us in difficult scenarios. I can be strong. I can be strong for God. You've been filled with freedom. You're free. You're free. The things you struggled with before, yes, you might be struggling a bit, but you can be free. And you're reflecting this freedom. No longer do I need to be chained to things. No longer do I need to be a person who swears all the time. I, I'm not that anymore. Why? Because I'm free. I'm free to rejoice and speak words of grace and love, reflecting his goodness and his joy. I'm free. I'm free for thinking that myself is trapped. I'm free from thinking that me and myself is low. I'm free from thinking that what I am is a child of God, redeemed, saved, loved, completely free. And maybe for the first time today, you're hearing that that's what you can be when you're with Jesus. That's what you can have when you're Jesus. Well, at the end, I'm just going to give an opportunity. Just come and become a beacon of light. Come and be a child of God. Come and be free. To reflect his goodness and glory. I'm just going to do that at the end. Because Jesus died on the cross so that we could actually receive that, receive his spirit, and receive that freedom. So when we reflect and we go into this world, we can show the love of God to others. What I'm sharing is very challenging. And I'm sure that when reading this, Luke, especially over these last two parables, would have felt the weighted pressure and responsibility in sharing this. As he's writing this, as remember at the beginning of the series, as he's writing this as a, as a kind of scientific document for Paul, and he's written this in this way, he probably read these, wrote these two things and gone, man, this is heavy. This is heavy. And I'm so happy that the next bit he recorded is a phenomenal encouragement for us. That as we're learning to be more and more like the, the light from God, there is a wonderful accolade that comes with that. Let me explain in this next bit. This, this, this bit after he talked about the parable where there's this moment where his mothers and his brothers are looking for him and they're like, where is Jesus? And there's a massive crowd around him. And they're looking for him. Know that in this culture, this is normal. Family is massive in this culture. Still, in, in India and in Asian countries, it's huge. Family culture is the embodiment of normally how you grow up in life. That's, that's the culture. And Jesus would have spent, obviously, his, his life before going to ministry in that embodiment of culture. All the time with his family, working with his father as he, as he grew up, doing things as a family. The family culture would have been huge. So that moment when they look for Jesus, which culturally would have been normal, 
And culturally, someone to come up to them and say, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. If someone else was doing that, it's normal for them to go, okay, everyone, I've got to go. My family are here. They're way more important, so I've got to go see them. That would have been normal. So this sentence that he says of my, brothers and, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it is massive. It's a countercultural statement for him to say. And I, I, please don't, let us not focus on the tone he said it or anything like that because I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's, that's the reason why this is there. But I think the reason why this is there is for actually us to understand and digest the word. The close relational family of God are those who hear the word and do it. Notice that it's not just hear the word or listen to the word or overhear the word, as if you overhear it in a conversation. It's hear the word and do it. There's an action that comes with it. We're not just watchers of faith, we're participants of faith. This is a wonderful accolade we get. The ownership of family for those who obey the Father, who reflect Jesus, who, who be the shining lamp on top of a stand, the accolade is family. The thing we receive is being called as part of the family of God. Now, I don't know about you, but my family, I love my family. Part of the Manic Tyler family, it's a wonderful thing. But because of Jesus and what he's done, I'm part of the family of God. This great, all-powerful, wonderful God who created all, who loved me, who sent Jesus to die on the cross. This Jesus who, who raised people from the dead, that did miracles upon miracles, that saved all humanity. I get the accolade of being family with him? I received that. And all I have to do is to come and give my life to Jesus, to hear his word and do it? That's all? That is, that is such an, like, a mathematical phenomenon. It doesn't make sense, but that's what we get. That's the wonderful thing we get, to be called as part of the family of God. Yes, this, this, this really difficult and challenging um, verse that he gives us in this parable to be a shining lamp where it can be fearful. Yes, we know that. But then you get called as a family of God. <sighs> wonderful family. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. That puts this, this challenge into so much perspective. In fact, when I read this, I got really challenged by it. To this then was I, I kind of just spend time just going, Father, actually, to be called as part of the family of God, I'm willing to be made vulnerable in front of people. I'm, I'm willing to share people about my faith. Because, God, you have done so much more. And I've been brought in by the blood of Christ. And all I need to do is just tell people about Jesus. I, I'm willing to do it. Wonderful church, that's a beautiful thing. It's why we are promoters of Alpha. It's why we care about Alpha. Alpha is a beautiful tool that we can then tell people about Jesus. It's why that as a church we are doing two services. Remember that. The reason why we're doing services, two services is not for ease. The reason why, in fact, it's more difficult. 
The reason why is because we want to give space. We want to give empty seats so that people can come in and hear the word of God, hear who Jesus is, and then be brought into that family. That's why we're doing things like this. As I come into land, let me just remind us a little bit of encouragement about this beautiful thing. The ignition of this torch, the turning of the torch, is nothing actually what I do. It's nothing to do with the bulb. To turn on the torch, it has to have a battery to fire it up. If I had a a candle here um, to make it light, it would have to be ignited with a match or ignited with a flame to do that. Me as a shining light or as a lamp or anything like that, the ignition of it comes from God and God alone. It's not thing I have to work for, achieve, but it's the Holy Spirit empowered into me, sunk deep because of what God has done. The ignition of the flame comes from the Holy Spirit alone. We don't have to do that. I don't need to work for it. I don't need to do anything like that. I don't need to work or be better to receive that. That's something that he instills directly into us because he loved us and because we have been brought in. We're no longer orphans. As Rachel said earlier, I think the word that was said is so apparent. And actually, if that was something struck with you, I so urge you to get prayer afterwards. Because we want to lay hands and pray for you. Because we want to remind you that actually you have been instilled with adoption for Christ and you've been radically and wonderfully changed. That light that's in us to shine as a lamp has already been done. Christ died to give us life. The Holy Spirit inspired us. He impacts us to help us shine as a beacon of light for him. We're no longer alone. We're no longer alone at all. But we have been made as children of God. So what then? What then called us as family? What then he has enabled us? What then? Well, we get a partner with God to shine like a beacon. And I've just got questions just to encourage us. Just help us and remind us about this. Here's my questions. One, how are you doing shining your light? How are you doing? This this is not something to challenge you or to convict you or condemn you or anything like that. This is not to do with that. This is a loving question I'm asking saying, how are you doing? How are you? Because if you're struggling, it's okay. It's why we're a family. It's why we've been brought in. Hey, it's why we've got connect groups as well to join and grow as a family, to encourage one another. Next question. When was the last time you did something to show love to someone? Now, if I'm being vulnerable, I'm going to be, if I'm asking to be vulnerable, I'm going to be vulnerable myself. Um, on, I think it was on Thursday, uh, Ian and I, uh, we played badminton, and afterwards I was walking home, and up in Marks and Spencer's up in town, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but there's a guy who sells Big Issue, I don't know if you've ever seen him, it's normally the same guy, and I've just seen him from time to time again, and so I just saw him, and I saw people walk past him, I was like, actually, I've got to do something here, I've, I've, I've been an idiot, I've never carried cash, I haven't ever given him money, and so I just said, what, what would you like me to buy you? He said, I don't mind. I said, I'll buy, I'll buy you some food because you're out here. So I went, went into Mark, uh, Mark Spencer's, bought him some food, brought it back to him, and I just gave it to him. And he said, oh, thank you very much. And I walked home. And on my walk home, I was like, 
You're an idiot, Sajeev. Like, you're so silly. You're preaching on Sunday and shining as a lamp and telling people about Jesus. And the perfect opportunity you had of telling this guy about Jesus, you didn't do. And I just walked over and I was just like, oh, you're so silly. You're so silly. What is going on? And obviously I had to then go, all right, well, I'm a child of God. Yada, yada, yada. I get that. Well, I understand that. I sort myself out. My point of this is saying, actually, we get opportunities day in, day out. We do. And sometimes we're like me. <laughs> when we have the opportunity on our plate, we, we, we don't take it. <laughs> we don't take it. So this question is not to go, when was the last time, in terms of a tick, tick box kind of, oh, well, oh, you did it yesterday. Great, well done. Oh, you did it two months ago. Well, like it's not, this question is not to do that. But this question is just to remind us that actually we need to show love to people. When was the last time you did it? When was the last time you showed love to someone? You showed love that comes from God and God alone. You had the opportunity to really speak to someone and just show them love, not for any receiving anything back, not for oh, a two-way thing that I do something for you, you do something for me, but actually you just show love to someone. When was the last time you've done it? And the last one, maybe to uh, take to, to connect groups or anything like that, but how are we encouraging each other to do this? How are we encouraging each other to know who we are in Christ? What are you doing to encourage your brother or your sister to actually know who they are in Christ? That's, that's not a kind of um, just general like social media, like a Facebook post or anything like that. I don't mean that because I think sometimes they can fall flat. What I mean is, when was the last time you spoke to someone and you said, I want to encourage you to know who you are in Christ? A face-to-face relational encouragement of who they are in Christ. As a connect group, as you're meeting together, when was the last time you just encouraged one another who you are in Christ? I love hearing what's going on in connect groups. I'm sure you are. But as an encouragement, when was the last time? How are you doing this? And how are you encouraging each other to share your faith? If we're part of a family of God, that means we have multiple brothers and sisters. Which means we can share our faith together. We're part of the arm of army of God. We're part of that. And therefore, we're not solo lights just kind of shining alone. In fact, when we come together as a church, we become this beautiful bonfire for Christ, joined together. So therefore, when we share our faith, it's something that we do together. Even if I am at work and I'm not with anyone else, when I come back home, me and my wife, we're together. Catherine and I, we are united together. And so when we share our faith, we're doing it together. So we're learning. How do we actually encourage one another to share our faith? It's something we're learning together. Every morning, we, um, we, we do this silly thing where a, a, a word was spoken over us about pulling a rope, about as if we're on, t- on tug of war, and we're pulling a rope together. So every morning, we literally put our hands together, and we, we metaphorically and physically pull a rope We pray God encourage us to to, um, speak and share love to people and share our faith. And I say what's going on my day, she says what's going on hers. And then we literally pull on a metaphorical and fake vote. Yeah, we're weird, all right? But we pull pull on something to say we are going to be in this together. How are you encouraging one another to share your faith? Cool. Do you want to stand with me? Just stand with me. Now, now that we've got a bit of time, it means that actually I just have a chance to, to just pray into some stuff and give people an opportunity to respond.
And I think from hearing this, there's two sides I want to just give an opportunity to respond. One of them is if you've never, ever received Jesus before, if you've never received the Spirit, if you've never chosen to follow him, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. It's very simple. It's a beautifully simple thing. It's just saying three words. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry for what I've done. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. And please, Holy Spirit, come into my life. It's very simple. And the next category, I just felt as going through this, that some of us, we've just felt a bit of dimmering. As if um, the light that we've got, we've just slowly been turning down. Or as if the jar that um, is on top of our lamp is just placed slowly on top of the candle and the flame is slowly going out. Know that when you are in Jesus, you're fully in him. It's not about what you do. It's not a legalistic faith. No, it's a relational adventure. So I'm going to pray for them separately. I've got to make them quite clear cut. So with, with everyone's eyes shut, um, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, if you want to give your life to him, while everyone's eyes are shut, I ask you to be bold, to be courageous. If you can, it's just helpful to know. If you can just put your hand up now. If you want to receive Jesus for the first time, if you just put your hand up now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to read a prayer that Alpha helps us with. It's really simple. It's really easy. I'm going to read it slowly. And if it's you, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time today, I'm just going to read it. And all you need to do is just say the words slowly afterwards. That's it. Okay. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done. I'm sorry for things I've done wrong in my life. And you, you can list them now if you want. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And Holy Spirit, anyone who has prayed that prayer, thank you that they've moved from darkness into light. Thank you for the adoption there is in Christ. And thank you that they are now alive in you. Amen. Okay. Everyone else's eyes are shut. If you are just needing a bit of refilling, it's a wonderful thing about Sunday. It's not the only time that we meet with God, but it's a time that we can encourage one another to be refilled. If you just need to be refilled, if you could just put your hand up now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I asked to put your hand up just because it's a physical sign. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the hands up, but actually it's a physical sign and a physical step to say, I need to be refilled. I want to be refilled. I don't want to dim away. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm just going to, while your hands are, I'm just going to pray for you to receive. And I really want to encourage you that as your hands are up, there's going to be a prayer ministry team at the end with green lanyards, and they would love just to pray for you further. 
They'll love to pray specifically about what you're going through, specifically about what is going on, and they'll love just to pray for a refilling to come. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to finish. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we are so, so grateful that you are good. We're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful for your abundant grace and mercy over us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fall afresh now. Come and fall afresh now. We recognize that there might might not be a physical change, there might not be anything like that, but we recognize, O Holy Spirit, that you love to just dwell with us. That you're with us. And so Holy Spirit, just come now and bring a refilling. Bring a top up. Bring something. I love, Father, that you say, Psalm 23 says, my cup overflows. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray just for an overfilling moment right now. Just come and overflow. And Holy Spirit, as we go back to become that beautiful lamp on top of a stand, that shining torch into the darkness, I pray that, yes, there might be darkness that, that we struggle with. There might be things that we deal with. But thank you, God, that we can be bold and courageous for you. And I pray that you continue to help us to become bold beacons of faith. Not be unbothered and not dimming, but to stand firm in the kingdom of God and stand firm with the armor of God. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Amen.